You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the thing we like to do most around here. You guys know it, if you're loyal listeners of the show. The thing we like to do most is come up with funny names regarding the Charlotte Hornets based on whatever different topic is the theme of that day. You guys are all too familiar with this, whether it's a calorie spike name, basically coming up with fat names for Charlotte Hornets, instead of Tony Parker, Tony Porker. We do this a lot. We do the players hater ball, or I guess the player haters comp, and we go with Russell Westbrook, more like Russell Worsbrook. We like to do this a lot, and so we brought this game about when we were trying to decide what my fish's name should be, because I was going to get one. I had a leftover tank from a couple of years ago. You find weird things when you're moving. I found the tank. I wanted to get a fish. It's like a gallon tank, so it was going to be some small fish. And then, of course, we had to name it something Charlotte Hornets related. I come up with Kendall Gills. Doug comes up with Michael Kidd Goldfish. Michael Kidd Goldfish is very good, but he needs to be a goldfish. And I didn't want to get a goldfish for some one-gallon tank that I had. So I got a beta, which is a lot more appropriate. They don't do a whole lot anyway, as I have found out. It's my first beta that I've ever owned. And so his name is Kendall Gills. Part of the family now. Part of the Locked On podcast family. And so once I get my office set up, I'll put them right there so you guys can see them. And then Kendall Gills, again, will be a part of the Locked On Hornets podcast family. We appreciate you guys being a part of the family. Of course, this is Locked On Hornets. It is presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can get Locked on Hornets on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and when you get in your car or you get home from work, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. I'm going to give a payroll update with the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe one weird thing going on that hasn't happened yet. I'll be sure to touch on that later on in the show. Also talk about PJ uh, Washington's role early in the season, what it could develop into as soon as the end of the season, and then NBA 2K does not have the Charlotte Hornets ranked as the last team in the NBA, which might come as a surprise to you. I wanted to get to some other fish names because they're great. Again, you guys know how much we like doing this. It's only going to be a solo show today. It's only going to be me, so it's not quite as fun when you don't have Doug or Nada joining in on the fun, but... I'm going to give a stab at this myself just with some of these names. Uh, Jimmy, who is a listener of not only the Locked on Hornets podcast, but I appreciate him listening to the wake-up call as well. Jimmy <laughs> said, if Kendall Gills gets disgruntled, then you can always trade him out for Hersey Hawkins. Of course, Hersey being her S-E-A Hawkins. Fantastic. He, he said he'd show himself out. You don't need to show yourself out, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Hersey Hawkins is a great name. If... Kendall Gills is mad at me, and he decides that he wants out. I will indeed get a Hersey Hawkins. I promise you, if I find out that he is not happy in his aquarium, I will send him to some aquarium in the Pacific Northwest, and then I will go get Hersey Hawkins in return. A couple of other names that were thrown at me. Doug was mad at me because I said that Michael Kidd Goldfish would have been the second pick, which I was proud of myself for coming up with that. He would have been the second pick, and then he said, you might as well have called this fish. Anthony Crayfish. Thought it was a stretch on Davis, but I thought it was pretty good. And then, of course, yours truly had to come up with 
Anchovy Davis. <laughs> I thought that was great. Doug not so thrilled with me trying to show him up on Twitter, but Anchovy Davis, that would have been another good one as well. Um, let's move on from the fish discussion. I'm sure that's not exactly why you guys are here, and maybe it is why you guys are here. If you become accustomed to this podcast, that is something that you know we are going to give you a healthy dose of that kind of thing. Let's talk about P.J. Washington, the first-round selection for the Charlotte Hornets. Rick Bennell writes an article on P.J. Washington, kind of enlightening all of us on the rookie's health status. Rick Bennell starts off his article, quote, The foot injury that kept P.J. Washington out of summer league shouldn't be an issue for training camp. The Charlotte Hornets lottery pick said this to Rick Bennell on Monday night. So, of course, we got to see P.J. Washington throughout the first pitch in that Charlotte Knights game this weekend. Rick Bennell had a chance to talk to him after that. So, apparently, you get to see P.J. Washington get drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, and you think you're going to see him in summer league. Eventually, that foot injury proved to be too much. The Charlotte Hornets didn't want him to play in summer league. They actually shut him down for summer league in July due to the ongoing soreness from an injury that he suffered in March playing for Kentucky. And then Washington said he was held out of basketball for about two weeks, all activity, all basketball activity for two weeks. But he's cleared medically now with training camp starting in late September. And he said, quote, I'm pretty much cleared to do everything. So after summer league, it was about two weeks. And he says now he's cleared to do everything, which is great news. It's not this lingering injury that is going to go into the season or training camp because we know how important those summers are to rookies. We saw it with Malik Monk. When Malik Monk was hurt and we didn't get to see him in summer league for his rookie year, we know that that can be a big deal to miss some significant time with your teammates. It's your first taste of somewhat NBA life. It's not the grueling schedule, of course, of an 82-game season, but you get to play with your teammates. You get to go travel. You get to go up against legitimate NBA, maybe not legitimate, just some real tough competition, <laughs> something that is an upgrade certainly over D1 college basketball that you had been going up against you know, pretty much the, the first two years, or the, the previous two years, I should say, for P.J. Washington in his case. So it sucked that he didn't get to play in summer league, but at least he gets training camp time with the Hornets because that developmental time is going to prove to be big, I think heading into at least his early role in the Charlotte Hornets. And what do you think his early role is, you might ask? Well, we know that power forward and a little bit of small ball five have been reported to be something they want to experiment with with P.J. Washington. That was kind of the position that we had all tabbed him at. We didn't think he could play three, but we thought it might be a redundant selection with Miles Bridges, who we had discussed you know, playing the three a lot. But then James Borrego discusses Miles Bridges playing the four, and then it kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit more. Well, it seems like P.J. Washington's first role would be the power forward spot. But does that push P.J. Washington back to small ball five? I, maybe not even this year. Maybe you have them on the court at different times, but you would think the Charlotte Hornets, if they're going to try to get the most out of this season for developmental purposes – which was a huge selling point and why the Charlotte Hornets brought in James Borrego here anyway, then part of the future needs to be figured out by putting Bridges and Washington on the floor at the same time this year. We want to see how those guys look this season. And so P.J. Washington playing a little small ball five, it just maybe too small. 
but we know how the NBA is going. So maybe Miles Bridges and PJ Washington can play alongside each other. I just the early roles it would be. I, I I'm interested to see how much playing time PJ Washington gets. I think it's going to be quite a bit. I don't think this is going to be something where he doesn't get all that much playing time because they're not because their number one priority isn't to win basketball games this season. It's to develop talent as much as they possibly can so they can have a promising future. If it was to win as many basketball games as they could this season, then they would have gotten Kimba Walker at all cost. They had the money to do it if they wanted to. Kimba certainly seemed like he wanted to stay here. So if that was their number one priority, then they would have gotten him. So we know the number one priority, one, was probably to stay under the luxury tax. And because of that, go all in with the new pieces, with the young players that you have as much as you could because of how bad the salary cap is for the Charlotte Hornets. Go all in in the developmental area. So P.J. Washington Miles Bridges playing together on the court at the same time, it's very important. And I think P.J. Washington probably gets a lot of minutes early. I don't know if he starts. I bet they probably have P.J. Washington come off of the bench in your starting lineup. We've talked about it before, but I bet it looks like Terry Rozier. The the Malik Monk-Nick Batum debate, I, I think that's 50-50. Dwayne Bacon at three. And then probably Miles Bridges at four in this instance and Cody Zeller at five with P.J. Washington coming off of the bench. And then James Borrego will try to figure out how to play P.J. and Miles together with the second units or just experimenting with different lineups out there. But I would imagine that starting lineup look, looks a lot like what I said and we don't know about Batum and Malik Monk at this point, but it seems like that's the, the biggest question mark to me. And so P.J. Washington is cleared medically, though, and that's the good news about all of this, and we'll see how he looks in training camp, is that will be really the first little bit of action that we get to see from him as well as preseason basketball before we get to the regular season and the Charlotte Hornets season starts for the 2019-2020 season. We don't do this podcast alone. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the number one local sports daily podcast network. Search Locked On in your podcast feed to see if your favorite NFL, MLB, or college team is represented. You're, or you can go to LockedOnSports.com. Again, you can go to LockedOnSports.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering your team every day. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with a salary cap hit. It's Walker May on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, mm-hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. Tough. I've tried it. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Always appreciate you guys listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Let's do a Charlotte Hornets salary cap update. The Charlotte Hornets, according to Hoops Hype, gave an update on the highest payrolls in the NBA. The Charlotte Hornets come in at 12 right now. You look at their total payroll, it comes in at $121,114,391 for this season. Again, that puts them right behind Toronto, who is just about 800000 above them at 121.9 and so you look at how that's kind of divvied up for everybody uh you know about the big contracts Kimball Walker no longer on the books but you know Nick Batum still the highest paid contract 
will be again when he opts into his option next season as well. Terry Rozier, remember, he's on a contract that pays him about $18 million annually, but it is a decelerating contract. So you've got him at 19.8 the first year this season, 18.9 next year, and then 17.9 the third year. Bismack's going to be on it for 17 mil, Marvin at 15 mil. This is the last year of both Bismack and Marvin Williams. Cody Zeller's going to be making 14.4, then 15.4 the next season before he's a free agent. Michael Kidd Gilchrist going to be making 13 million, and then we take a big drop, no more double-digit million annually for any other player here on the Charlotte Hornets. Then we get to Malik Monk, who's at 4 million, PJ Washington at 3.8, Miles Bridges at 3.7, then you get to Dwayne Bacon at 1.6, Billy Hernan Gomez at 1.5. Joe Cheely, 1.4, Devontae Graham, 1.4, and then you have Robert Franks on that two-way contract. He actually is making $79,000 on that first two-way contract that was given out. And so to talk a little bit about the players that might not be as important as some of the other players on the roster, you look at those guys like a Cody Martin, a Robert Franks, even a, a Joe Cheely, who I just mentioned. So you look at Joe Cheely. He does have $50,000 guaranteed, according to Hoops Hype, when you look at how all of that is breaking, uh, broken down, I should say. So 50000 guaranteed for the 2019-2020 season. But again, you know that it's someone that is going to be fighting to make the roster. Devontae Graham, like I said, you know about his contract. That, that's going to be a guy that's on the team, so nothing really to look at there. Uh, you, you look at some of the other contracts that were given out. You know, So Joe Cheely, right? Josh Perkins, Thomas Welsh. Caleb Martin, you know, you think those are on a lot of Exhibit 10 contracts. So when you look at Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin did get, as I bring up Bobby Mark's tweet from a while back, you know, Caleb Martin did sign an Exhibit 10 contract. That was actually reported, but we don't know, I don't think, what Josh Perkins or Thomas Welsh got with this team, but you would think it was an Exhibit 10 contract. So it's basically a training camp invite. The all-play, probably battling for that last roster spot, as I said a couple of times, and then the best one wins. Same thing with Joe Chile, you kind of throw in there. And you would imagine the last two-way contract would be for Jalen McDaniels, their second second-round selection. Haven't heard anything on that, though, yet. We still don't know when the Hornets are going to present him that offer. You would think they do. I can't imagine they wouldn't because Jalen McDaniel, they utilized a second-round draft pick on him, even if it was late. They utilized that draft pick on him. So you would think that two-way contract does go to McDaniels, but haven't seen it yet. Just kind of weird. Just kind of weird that we haven't seen it. I don't think there's any reason to panic, not that you would over that late of a draft pick anyway, but just kind of weird that we haven't seen that happen yet. And remember, we'll go to Cody Martin's contract as well. Bobby Marks reported this on July 31st when it happened. The first year cap hit for Cody Martin is $1.17 million, and he did say that was the third highest among second-round players signed this year behind Bruno Fernando and Carson Edwards. So interesting that Cody Martin would get paid that handsomely being the second-round selection. And, of course, we saw him in Summer League maybe struggle a little bit earlier, kind of got some things worked out as Summer League went on. But that's kind of your salary cap breakdown. Always kind of ugly to look at the Charlotte Hornets salary cap breakdown, but hopefully a couple of these guys will come off of the books next season, and then we'll see what the Charlotte Hornets decide to do with a lot of young money on the books. And then, of course, Nick Batum, because he's going to be on the books, it seems like at least, forever. Uh, we'll take another quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about some other news that has happened in the NBA 
as well as the NBA 2K rank of the roster. The Charlotte Hornets are not last. They're not even second to last. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. NBA 2K has the Hornets ranked as the 28th best team in the NBA. So I didn't want to go any further after I said it wasn't the last or second last. I thought I might tease you a little bit, but they are going to be the third worst team in the NBA, according to NBA 2K. They are only ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls. And not to hate on the hometown team, but I really do think the Charlotte Hornets are going to be dead last this year. You know, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I know Kevin Love's not amazing, but he is a star in the NBA, and the Charlotte Hornets don't have that on their roster right now. And Kevin Love, you just look at just star power, best players there are. Yeah, I don't want the contract. I'm not saying I'm jealous of it. You just look at Kevin Love, that's going to help him a little bit. You know, Colin Sexton, I know there's a lot of people that are already immediately out on Colin Sexton, but Colin Sexton was okay last year. Shot at a pretty decent clip even though he didn't shoot so many three-pointers. I just, I don't know. I think Cleveland's going to be better than the Hornets this season, and I certainly think the Bulls are. To have the Bulls this low is a little bit surprising to me. Zach Levine, Laurie Markinen, Wendell Carter, I think you could see, have a big developmental year in his sophomore campaign. And the Chicago Bulls, to me, that that's a team I like better than the Charlotte Hornets as well. So for the Hornets to be above both of those teams, a little surprising to me. I really do think they are going to have the best odds to win the lottery when the season is all said and done with. I mean, there are some good case and best case scenarios that could come out from this that would make them better than both of those teams, I guess. It's just not anything that I would bet my money on. And also some other news in the NBA regarding a former Charlotte Hornet. You look at Dwight Howard going to the Los Angeles Lakers on what is a very interesting contract. So Dwight Howard... Gets the buyout from the Memphis Grizzlies after being on that team for a while and not doing anything, kind of like the Brooklyn Nets when the Charlotte Hornets traded him to the Brooklyn Nets and negotiated a buyout there. So Dwight Howard signs with the Los Angeles Lakers on what is called a summer contract, according to Bobby Marks. It has a $0 salary protection. He will earn $14,490 for every day that Dwight Howard is on the roster again. $14,490 for every day he's on the roster, and the per-day clock will start on October 21st. So you try to get that into a macro macro picture, Dwight Howard will be making a million dollars about every two and a half months that he's on the team. It's funny to see how the mighty have fallen. Maybe not funny to Dwight Howard, but it's just crazy to see the type of decline that Dwight Howard has had. You look at him in Houston, actually helped that team get to a Western Conference Finals appearance, but then you know that he and James Harden had a hard time getting along, so then they ship him off to Atlanta 
Atlanta wants to get rid of Dwight Howard enough to take on Miles Plumlee's contract. And I still think it was a worthwhile shot to go trade Dwight for Dwight Howard if you're the Charlotte Hornets in that scenario. But even if it didn't work out strategy-wise, it's not like Dwight Howard was a complete bum on that team. On that Charlotte Hornets team, you got to see him have a lot of double-doubles. You had some dominant Dwight Howard games every once in a while. It just seems like that was the last year of relevance, and I know it was the Charlotte Hornets. Nobody nationally would say that that was any kind of relevance for Dwight Howard, but at least you were still getting some pretty good games, even if it didn't work out for the best of the team, right? Like, I don't think that throwing the ball into the post for Dwight Howard to have an inefficient post-up, it, it certainly didn't help them offensively. But you know that if that's the kind of brand that they were running, whether it was Dwight Howard demanding the way that they run it like that, maybe if even if he was doing that, at least there was some relevance. And then, of course, he gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets, gets bought out, signs with the Washington Wizards, plays nine games because of the injury that he has, gets traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, has a buyout contract with those guys, and now he's playing with the Los Angeles Lakers on something that doesn't have any guaranteed money, and he gets paid by the daily. <laughs> and just a, a crazy fall for Dwight Howard getting traded so many times and being on so many different teams in the last four or five years. Interesting to see how that happens, but there's your Locked On Hornets podcast for the day. We appreciate you joining us, and hopefully Doug will be able to join us on Thursday. Remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets. Me and Doug will be back with you on Thursday again. You can follow the show handle on at Locked On Hornets, as well as myself at Walker Mail and Doug at Doug Branson, LOH.